since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden chose the rulership of Satan in the Garden of Eden over that of God, their creator, human beings have suffered many calamities and sorrows, yet God has also greatly blessed humanity, especially the descendants of Abraham in the latter days. The Apostle James, who was a half-brother of Jesus Christ, wrote in James 1 verse 17, James 1 verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. We may look around us and see all kinds of evils and things to be concerned about, but we also need to be mindful of our blessings. The Bible promises that in a future age there are even greater blessings to come. In today's sermon, I want to discuss God as the giver of every blessing. I'm going to show you from the scriptures that testify of God's intervention in human affairs how God is the source of specific blessings, and those that I will discuss today are by no means exhaustive as far as a list of God's blessings are concerned, but they are fundamental to life and happiness. Too often we tend to take them for granted. First blessing that I want want to discuss is life. God is the eternal, the ever-living. He is self-existent and creator of all life that is created, including all of the living creatures of the earth, and of course human beings would be included in that as well. All creatures of the earth, whether on land, in the sea, or creatures that fly in the air, they're all the work of God's power and creativity. We read in Psalm 104, Psalm 104 verse 24, O Lord, how manifold are your works, In wisdom you've made them all. The earth is full of your possessions, this great and wide sea in which are innumerable teeming things, living things, both small and great. We read in Job 12, beginning in verse 7, Job 12, verse 7, Now ask the beasts, and they will teach you, and the birds of the air, they will tell you. Or speak to the earth and it will teach you and the fish of the sea will explain to you who among all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has done this in whose hand is the life of every living thing and the breath of all mankind. The message here is that every or the very nature I should say of the created things themselves testify to the power and genius of the Creator God. Many astute scientists have studied the complexities of life and have come to the conclusion that they must be the work of the super intelligence. But it doesn't necessarily take a professional scientist to see the hand of God and the things that are created, and especially in the 
various forms of living things that we see on the earth. In Genesis 2, Genesis 2 beginning with verse 7, it says the Lord, the Hebrew word translated Lord here is Yahweh, which means the self-existing one or the eternal. It says the Lord God or Yahweh, the eternal God, formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden where he put the man whom he had formed and out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now it goes on to relate how God gave to Adam the man that he had created instructions as well as to his wife that he, God also created Eve. But Adam and Eve did not follow God's instructions. They sinned. They rebelled against God. And so God said to Adam, as we read in Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 17, Genesis 3 and verse 17, because you have, have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles it will bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. In other words, he would die a natural death. Paul wrote in Romans 5 verse 12, Romans 5 verse 12, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. And human beings die not because Adam sinned, but because all men have sinned, with the exception of Jesus Christ. But Human, green, human beings are created mortal. That is, they are made of flesh, of the dust of the earth, and they are subject to death. Human flesh was never intended to last for an indefinite period of time. It was not created mortal to be, or immortal to begin with. It was created subject to decay and death. But Adam and Eve had the opportunity to eat of the tree of life, which represents the gift of eternal life which God had the power to give them. But they chose rather the path of rebellion and as a result deprived themselves of the gift of eternal life at that time, which they could have had. Elihu remarked to Job in Job chapter 33 and verse 4, Job 33 and verse 4, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gives me life. And so it is with all human beings. We are creatures of God, and it is through the life that He gives us, the Spirit that He places in us, 
that we live, that we have life, the gift of life. And so it is with all created things. All, all living creatures on the earth live because God has given them their lives. Paul testified to the Athenians in Acts 17, Acts 17 beginning in verse 24, God who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. So our lives and everything that is given to us ultimately comes from God. Not only is God the author of physical life or biological life, that is the life of flesh, fleshly creatures of this earth, creatures made of the dust of the earth, but he is also the one who has the power to grant eternal life to those willing to meet his terms. We read in Romans 5, beginning with verse 15, Romans 5, verse 15, but the free gift, the free gift, and it's speaking here of eternal life, the free gift or eternal life is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, speaking of Adam. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, or judgment as it would be better translated. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. The law here is speaking of the Old Covenant. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now what Paul is referring to here in what we just read is that all human beings will, through Jesus Christ, have an opportunity to be redeemed from death and will have the opportunity to receive the gift of eternal life. Every human being who has ever lived, who ever will live, will have that opportunity. Jesus said in John 4, verse 14, John 4, verse 14, Whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. 
that the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Jesus Christ has the power to grant us eternal life. As we read in John 5, verse 21, John 5, verse 21, For as the Father raises the dead and gives life to them, even so the Son, speaking of himself, gives life to whom he will. Now Jesus Christ was the second member of the Godhead prior to somehow being changed and born of flesh. But it was through him that God created the universe, including all living things apart from God himself. In John 1, beginning verse 1, John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word is identified later on in this chapter as Jesus Christ. The Word was in the beginning with God, and He was God. He was, it goes on to say, in the beginning with God, all things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. Jesus Christ is the one through whom everything that is created was created. And as he created physical life, he also has the power to grant eternal life to those who meet his terms. Jesus said in John 6 and verse 27, John 6 and verse 27, Do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you, the Son of Man being himself, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. In John 6 and verse 33, Jesus said, for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Again, he was speaking of himself. And Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, John 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, in a prayer that we read, recorded in John 17, beginning with verse 1, John 17, verse 1, Jesus spoke these words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Those willing to hear and to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ are given eternal life in the kingdom of God as God's children. Jesus said in John 10, beginning verse 27, John 10, verse 27, My sheep hear my voice. And he was speaking of sheep metaphorically here, speaking of human beings uh, metaphorically as sheep. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. And in Revelation 21, 
Revelation 21 and verse 6, God says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Speaking of eternal life, the kingdom of God. And so that gift, gift of physical life, the gift of eternal life, comes from God. Another blessing that God gives to us is health. We live in a world that is sick and diseased physically and spiritually. Now God allows sickness even among those who are seeking to obey him. But God is also a healer. And the one who by his counsel and intervention in our lives grants us health. And ultimately God will heal all of our diseases. He is the ultimate healer. We read in Psalm 103, verse, beginning in verse 1. Psalm 103 and verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Because the Lord, O my, or bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Healing is in store for all who need it, among those who seek God. And if that healing does not occur in this lifetime, it will occur in the resurrection. In the parable of Lazarus and the rich man, Lazarus was a beggar. He was sick and unable to take care of himself, and he died in that state. But he was accounted worthy of the resurrection to eternal life. And in the parable, Abraham, having been resurrected, says to the rich man, Son, Remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he is comforted and you are tormented. Lazarus was in the resurrection in this parable. This is yet future, what he's picturing here. And Lazarus at that time will be resurrected and he will be perfectly healthy. In fact, he will be Uh, incapable of becoming sick because he will be made in the likeness and image of God as a spirit being. The rich man, however, was tormented because he was facing the lake of fire and he was, uh, as the Bible says, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when people see that they are facing death imminent death in the lake of fire because they refused the gift of life that God had offered them. Now, obedience to God in this lifetime does not mean that you'll never be sick. Because you obey God, because you pray to God, because you believe in Jesus Christ and serve Him, doesn't mean that you will never get sick in this life, in this flesh. As we've seen in the case of Lazarus and many others that we could uh, 
read about in the scriptures as well as that we know personally. But what it does mean is that it's more likely that you'll have good help than you might have had otherwise. Because obedience to God tends to produce good fruits among them good health. In Proverbs 3 and verse 7, Proverbs 3 and verse 7, we read, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. So if you're obedient to God, you follow his laws, you take care of your body as the temple of God's spirit, try to take care of your health and do what is good for you in terms of how you treat your body and obeying God in other respects, then it's going to tend to produce better health than you might have otherwise. In Proverbs 4, verse 20, Proverbs 4, verse 20, it says, My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. So, inclining our ears to the sayings of God, paying attention to what God has to tell us and teach us, is to us life and health. In a prophecy directed to the people of Israel, God says in Jeremiah 30, and this is a prophecy for the future as well as uh, applying to past circumstances, but it is especially for the future. In, in Jeremiah 30, beginning with verse 13, God said, there is no one to plead your cause that you may be bound up. You have no healing medicines. All your lovers have forgotten you. They do not seek you, for I have wounded you with the wound of an enemy, with the chastisement of a cruel one for the multitude of your iniquities, because your sins have increased. Why do you cry about your affliction? Your sorrow is incurable. Because of the multitude of your iniquities, because your sins have increased, I have done these things to you, speaking about a time of punishment. And this is a, a time of punishment that is for the most part yet to come for the people of modern Israel because they are destined to be punished in a tribulation. But goes on to say, Therefore all those who devour you shall be devoured, and all your adversaries, every one of them, shall go, go into captivity. Those who plunder you shall become plunder. And all who prey upon you I will make a prey, for I will restore health to you and heal you of your wounds, says the Lord, because they called you an outcast, saying, This is Zion. No one seeks her. God can intervene to heal us at any time that he chooses. And we also read in Jeremiah 33, beginning at verse 6, another prophecy similar to this one. 
This is speaking again of the future. And it says here, beginning with verse 6 of Jeremiah 33, Behold, I will bring it health and healing. Speaking, speaking of Jerusalem. I will bring it, or Jerusalem, health and healing. I will heal them and reveal to them the abundance of peace and truth. And I will cause the captives of Judah and the captives of Israel, that's who he's speaking about, to return and will rebuild those places as at the first I will cleanse them from all their iniquity by which they have sinned against me and I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed against me. Then it shall be to me a name of joy, a praise and an honor before all nations of the earth who shall hear all the good that I will do to them. They shall fear and tremble for all the goodness and all the prosperity that I provide for it or for the Jerusalem and for the people of Israel. And the nations will see that and they will learn that it pays to obey God. And ultimately the whole world will be healed. During his ministry, Jesus performed many healings as a preview of what he will do on a much larger scale for the world at his second coming. We read... In uh, Matthew 4, verse 23, Matthew 4, verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. In Matthew 11, beginning verse 2, Matthew 11, verse 2, it says, When John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another, the coming one? Referring to the Christ or the Messiah who was expected according to the prophecies of the scriptures. And John said, Are you that one? Are you the Messiah, the coming one? Or do we look for another? And Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you see and hear. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. All who humble themselves before God of whatever nation or people will find healing and help in God's time. When the, when the time comes for God to heal them, whenever that time might be in each individual case. In Malachi 4 and verse 2, we, we read about the time of the, the kingdom of God being established on the earth. And it says, that to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, and here this, the word son is S-U-N, the sun, the orb in the sky that heats the earth. But this is a symbol here of, in this case, of, of God, of Jesus Christ. The Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. And you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Jesus Christ is going to heal the earth, heal mankind. 
as he comes to establish his rule on the earth. In Isaiah 35, beginning in verse 3, we have another prophecy of the future. Isaiah 35, verse 3, Strengthen the weak hands, make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, Be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened, and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing, for water shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. In Psalm 103, beginning with verse 1, Psalm 103 and verse 1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your iniquities. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from destruction. Who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. In Isaiah 57, beginning with verse 15. Isaiah 57 and verse 15. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. For I will not contend forever, nor will I always be angry, for the spirit would fail before me in the souls which I have made. For the iniquity of his covetousness I was angry and struck him. I hid and was angry. And he went on backsliding in the way of his heart, speaking of Israel. I have seen his ways and will heal him. I will also lead him and restore comforts to him. And to his mourners I create the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to him who is far off and to him who is near, says the Lord and I will heal him. But the wicked are like a troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. When God's kingdom is established on the earth, a river will flow out from beneath the throne of God. And we read in Ezekiel 47 and verse 12, Ezekiel 47 and verse 12, along the bank of the river, on this side and that will grow all kinds of trees for, used for food. Their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. They will bear fruit every month because their water flows from the sanctuary. In other words, God's throne. Their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. And we read Revelation chapter 22 beginning in verse 1. Revelation 22 and verse 1 that in the new Jerusalem when God the Father has joined Jesus Christ and the rest of his family on the earth it says he showed me a pure river of water of life clear as crystal proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the tree of life which bore twelve fruits each tree yielding fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations, or the health of the nations, as it could be translated. Another of God's blessings is food. Most everyone 
enjoys eating delicious food. All who don't, raise your hands. <laughs> I don't see I don't see any hands. God provided this gift for humanity and for the creatures of the earth. In Psalm 104, verse 14. Psalm 104, verse 14. He, that is God, causes the grass to grow for the cattle and vegetation for the service of man, that he may bring forth food from the earth and wine that makes glad the heart of man, oil to make his face shine and bread which strengthens man's heart. When Israel was in the wilderness, having been delivered from slavery in Egypt, God fed them. We read in Exodus 16, beginning with verse 1, Exodus 16, verse 1, they journeyed from Elam, and all the congregation of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month after they departed from the land of Egypt. And then the whole congregation of the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. And the children of Israel said to them, Oh, that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by the pots of meat, and when we ate bread to the full. For you have brought us into this wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day that I may test them whether they will walk in my law or not. And so God fed them and provided for them for 40 years in the wilderness. Israel was promised when God made his covenant with them that if they would obey his commandments, as we read in Deuteronomy 28, verse 4, 28 and verse 4 of Deuteronomy, God told them, he said, Blessed shall be the fruit of your body, the produce of your ground, and the increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. God promises to take care of the needs of his people. And he has done that historically. In Matthew 6, Matthew 6, beginning in verse 25, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. If is not life more than food and the body more than clothing, look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Now that doesn't mean that we should not work or sow and reap. The point is that God provides for us. He is the one to whom we look for our sustenance, ultimately. Although we have, have to do our part to uh, to earn our daily bread as the Bible also teaches but uh, all of that effort would be futile without God providing for us 
Now, God does sometimes send famine and other punishments for sin. But at the same time, God often provides food even for the unfaithful and the unbelievers, as he did for Israel in the wilderness, who persistently rebelled against him, did not believe his word. And so we read in Psalm 78 concerning the the people of Israel in the wilderness, beginning with verse 22 of Psalm 78, because they did not believe in God and did not trust in his salvation. Yet he had commanded the clouds above and opened the doors of heaven, had rained down manna for them to eat and given them of the bread of heaven. Men ate angels' food. He sent them food to the full. We read in Acts 14, in Acts 14, beginning with verse 8, we read about an episode that occurred involving the Apostle Paul and uh, Barnabas, his companion, preaching the gospel. And we read in, in Elystra, a certain man without strength in his feet was sitting a cripple from his mother's womb who had never walked. This man heard Paul speaking. Paul observing him intently and seeing that he had faith to be healed said with a loud voice, Stand up straight on your feet. And he leaped and walked. Now when the people saw what Paul had done, they raised their voices saying in the Lyconian language, The gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And Barnabas they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Zeus, whose temple was in front of their city, brought oxen and garlands to the gates, intending to sacrifice with the multitudes. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard this, they tore their clothing and ran in among the multitude, crying out and saying, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you, and preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God who made the heaven, the earth, the sea and all things that are in them who in bygone generations allowed all nations to walk in their own ways. Nevertheless, he did not leave them without witness in that he did good, gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. Not only does God give us physical food, even more importantly, he provides the food that leads to eternal life. We read in John 6, beginning in verse 32, John 6 and verse 32, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Moses did not give you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger, and he who believes in me shall never thirst. So, Jesus Christ symbolically is the bread of life. And if we partake of Jesus Christ, follow his example, receive of his spirit, guided by his word, then we will never hunger and we will never thirst. We will never be lacking 
in what is necessary to sustain life. And that is eternal life. Another blessing from God is favorable weather. Now all of these that we've been mentioning here go together as you can see from the scriptures that we've been reading. But uh, one of the blessings is favorable weather. And among the blessings that God promised to Israel if they would obey were agricultural blessings and the blessings of favorable weather leading to abundant produce from fields and pastures. God promised the descendants of Israel in Deuteronomy 28, beginning with verse 11, Deuteronomy 28, verse 11, if they would obey, the Lord would grant you plenty of goods and the increase of your livestock and in the produce of your ground in the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will open to you his good treasure, the heavens, to give the rain to your land and its season. The tribe of Joseph, one of the tribes of Israel, actually, uh, Joseph had two sons who together represented the tribe of Joseph. And in Genesis 49, a blessing was pronounced on them. And part of that blessing was, verse 25, it says, By the God of your Father who will help you, and by the Almighty who will bless you, with blessings of heaven above. Although God promised to bless the chosen descendants of Abraham, he also told the people of Israel, the covenant nation, that continued favor would depend on their obedience to his laws. And he told them in Leviticus 26, beginning in verse 3, Leviticus 26 and verse 3, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing, threshing shall last till the time of vintage and the vintage shall last till the time of sowing and you shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. But God also warned them later on in this same chapter, beginning verse 14, God said, If you do not obey me and do not observe all these commandments, and if you despise my statutes or if your soul abhors my judgments so that you do not perform my commandments but break my covenant, I also will do this to you. I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze, and your strength shall be spent in vain, for your land shall not yield its produce, nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. God is the one who has the power to send rain when he wills or to withhold it as it pleases him. God is in control of the weather. And Favorable weather is a gift from God. It's a blessing from God. We read in Job 5, beginning verse 8. Job 5, verse 8. As for me, I would seek God, and to God I would commit my cause, who does great things and unsearchable, marvelous things without number. He gives rain on the earth and sends waters on the fields. 
In Psalm 65, beginning verse 9, Psalm 65, verse 9, You visit the earth and water it, you greatly enrich it. The river of God is full of water, you provide their grain, for so you have prepared it. You water its ridges abundantly, you settle its furrows, you make it soft with showers, you bless its growth, you crown the year with your goodness, and your paths drip with abundance. They drop on the pastures of the wilderness, and the little hills rejoice on every side. The pastures are clothed with flocks, the valleys also are covered with grain. They shout for joy. They also sing. Favorable weather, rain to make food to grow, are a testimony to God's goodness and His mercy. Jesus said in Matthew 5, beginning with verse 44, Matthew 5, verse 44, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. When God restores the descendants of Israel after the tribulation, he promises in Joel chapter 2, beginning in verse 23, Joel 2 and verse 23, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The, th the threshing floors will be full of wheat, and the vat shall overflow with new wine and oil. No, the world is not destined to come to an end 12 years from now or 10 years from now due to global warming. The world's going to continue while there is trouble ahead great calamities ahead because of our sins eventually God is going to intervene and establish on the earth a new a new world so to speak it will be the same globe but it will be renewed and uh, people learn to obey the eternal God and they will be blessed perpetually with favorable weather and abundance. Another of God's blessings is freedom, the blessing of freedom. The people of Israel had been enslaved in a harsh, uh, bitter type of bondage. God intervened to free the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. Egypt is a type of the world, a type of the world in which slavery has been commonplace throughout history. And genuine freedom has been rare. Here in this country, we've, we've tended to take our freedom for granted, but the kind of freedom we have enjoyed in the last several hundred years in the United States and other parts of Western, the Western world especially, that kind of freedom is rare in human history. The Bible prophesies a future captivity for the peoples of the Israelite nations as God withdraws his blessings due to their rebellion. But then, 
After a short period of punishment, God will intervene to free them from slavery, from oppression. We read in Jeremiah 30 and verse 7. Jeremiah 30 and verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it, and it is the time of Jacob's trouble. This is speaking of the tribulation, as it's called elsewhere in the scriptures, Matthew 24 and so forth. It's the time of Jacob's trouble because this tribulation will fall primarily on the people of Israel, the descendants of Jacob, and also on the church of God, by the way. But it goes on to say, he shall be saved out of it. For it shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord of hosts, that I will break his yoke from your neck and will burst your bonds. Foreigners shall no more enslave them, but they shall serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will raise up for them. Therefore do not fear, O my servant Jacob, says the Lord, nor be dismayed, O Israel, for behold, I will save you from afar and your seed from the land of their captivity. Jacob shall return, have rest, and be quiet, and no one shall make him afraid. In a similar manner, all the nations will be freed and taught God's way of life. They will be freed from the slavery of sin and from the limitations of our fleshly nature. Human beings will be free to reach their full potential as God's children. And ultimately all who yield to God will be eligible to be among God's children for eternity. Living with God in perfect harmony and liberty. We read in Romans 8 beginning in verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us for the earnest expectation of the creature eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God for the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who subjected it in hope because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Another of God's blessings is peace. God promised the Israelites again that if they would obey Him, peace would ensue. We read in Leviticus 26, beginning of verse 3, If you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, and I will give you rain in its season. The, yield, the land shall yield its produce. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Your threshing shall last till the time of vintage. The vintage shall last till the time of sowing. You shall eat your bread to the full and dwell in your land safely. I will give peace in the land and you shall lie down and none will make you afraid. I will rid the land of evil beasts and the sword will not go through your land. But the people of Israel chose to disobey most of the time. And so prolonged periods of peace were rare in Israel's history as in the history 
of the world at large. In God's kingdom, however, peace will be established for the whole world. And as we read in Isaiah chapter 2, beginning in verse 2, Isaiah 2 and verse 2, Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established at the top of the mountains. The mountains here are a metaphor for nations. And shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. We read in Isaiah 32, Isaiah 32 and beginning in verse 16, Then justice will dwell in the wilderness and righteousness remain in the fruitful field. The work of righteousness will be peace. The work of righteousness will be peace and the effect of righteousness, quietness, and assurance forever. My people will dwell in a peaceful habitation, in secure dwellings, and in quiet resting places. Another of God's blessings is joy. And the kingdom of God will be brimful of joy and happiness. Jeremiah 30 Beginning in verse 18, Jeremiah 30 and verse 18, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring back the captivity of Jacob's tents and have mercy on his dwelling places. The city shall be built on its own mound and the palace shall remain according to its own plan. Then out of them shall proceed thanksgiving in the voice of those who make merry. I will multiply them and they shall not diminish. I will glorify them and they shall not be small. In Isaiah 65, beginning at verse 17, Isaiah 65, verse 17, Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered or come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem as a rejoicing, and her people a joy. I will rejoice in Jerusalem and joy in my people. The voice of weeping shall no longer be heard in her, nor the voice of crying. No more shall an infant from there live but a few days, nor an old man who has not fulfilled his days. For the child shall die a hundred years old, but the sinner being a hundred years old shall be accursed. They shall build houses and inhabit them. They shall plant vineyards and eat their fruit. They shall not build and another inhabit. They shall not plant and another eat. For as the days of a tree, so shall be the days of my people. My elect shall long enjoy the work of their hands. Jesus said to his disciples in John 17 and verse 13, John 17 verse 13, These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus said in a prayer to the Father, These things I speak in the world that they have may have my joy 
fulfilled in themselves. David looked forward to God's kingdom when he wrote in Psalm 16, verse 11, Psalm 16, verse 11, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What we have discussed today, the blessings of life, of health, of food, favorable weather, freedom, peace, and joy, are just some of the blessings that God gives us. It would be good for us to meditate on these things and other blessings that flow from God's goodness and generosity often. And as the psalmist says in Psalm 116, we should take time to bless God and to give the sacrifice of thanksgiving for all his benefits.